Hey, welcome to Crosswalk Church. Today, Pastor Dan is bringing you a teaching, so head over to crosswalkphoenix.com and find today's message under the worship tab. There you can download the Crosswalk notes to follow along. And now, here's Pastor Dan. Today, as we look into God's Word, we are going to see the, the gift that God gives us in mothers. Uh, the fact that you are here today leads me to believe that most likely you do have a mother. And, uh, and hopefully you, you love her very much. But as we look at Mother's Day, the, Mother's Day started in the United States about 100 years ago. Uh, around 1912, is, is, as I did my research on when it started. And it was a day that people wanted to set aside to celebrate mothers, motherhood, and the impact that mothers have on society. And I thought about that. Yeah, that's, that's a great thing. And, and that's wonderful for Mother's Day. But I have to believe that you have memories from when you were young about Mother's Day and, and, and what Mother's Day was all about. With me, I remember back to when I was in grade school and always the week before Mother's Day was the craft week. That was the week where uh, the teacher would tell us, oh yeah, Mother's Day is coming, so we have to make a a special gift for your mom so that you can tell her uh, how much you love her. And so we would make cards and and draw pictures of me and mom and and, and flowers and and just tell her how much uh, that I loved her. And then also make crafts, which at the time I thought were pretty sweet. And I knew that mom would like, and every year she did, and, and thanked me for it. And then, as we started to get older, we, well, I'm one of eight kids, we tried to be more inventive. And so one year, we decided to get mom breakfast in bed. Not a good idea when your mom normally gets up at six. I'm just going to say that. And I think we woke her up when we were making breakfast. I know we woke her up when we were making breakfast. But she was nice, and she stayed in bed and pretended to be sleeping uh, when we brought her the food. And then all eight of us around the bed as she ate it. Uh, that was a one-year event. And, and anyways, we celebrated Mother's Day. But if I was honest, when I was young... Even though my mom was, was a good mom, there was a part of me, again, this is when I was young, I would have liked to give my mom a report card because there were some things that my mom was really bad at. Buying candy? F. Definitely. She never bought us candy. I'm like, what kind of mom does that? Trampoline? F. I'm still waiting for a trampoline. Asked mom many times, many, many times, and it never happened. Bedtime. My mom never let us stay up past bedtime ever. And again, I think it's because when we, there were eight kids in the family, she needed sanity. And so the one thing that was strictly enforced was bedtime. And, and so I, I look back at that and, and those times that I thought my mom was was being mean and and a bad mom. She was actually being a good mom. But it's interesting because now I see it from a different point of view where I look at my wife as a mother 
And I look at my children's interaction with her. And on Mother's Day, we all get along. Yeah, we can, we can go out to eat and we can buy mom a gift and, and everything can be good on Mother's Day. But there's a truth that as mothers go about doing their work as a mother, they deal with a lot of criticism. And the criticism can come from the children where they look at mom and they're, they're whining and they say, Mom, I don't like this, I don't like that. The criticism can come from family, in-laws, brothers and sisters who look at the way that you're raising your children and saying they wouldn't do it that way. Or maybe times when your kids get in trouble. I have to believe mine aren't the only children to get in trouble. Uh, and, 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 and moms look at that and they take it personally. And they, and they start to ask the question, what did I do wrong? They, they, they tend to own it a little bit when their kids make a mistake that they internalize it. And so what starts to happen is mothers begin to ask the question, am I succeeding as a mom? Am I really doing a good job? And this isn't just mothers out there. This is for you fathers as well. Anyone who is a parent knows what that's like, wondering, am I doing the right thing? Just so you know, if you're single and you think this isn't going to apply to you, you're wrong. It's going to as well. But today, as we look into God's word, we are going to see what it means to be a mom that makes a difference. But we could also say how to be a Christian who makes a difference. And so we start with our lesson. It's from 1 Samuel chapter 1, beginning with the ninth verse. If you would like to, you can pull out your Bible or a Bible app on your phone. Uh, or you can look up on the screen, and I will read 1 Samuel 1, verses 9 to 20. Once when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was sitting on his chair by the doorposts of the Lord's house. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow, saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery... And remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son. Then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will be used on his head. As she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart, and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk, which is a sad statement on the prayer life of the people in Israel if you're at church and and the, the pastor sees you praying and he thinks you're drunk, but she was not. Put away your wine. Not so, my Lord, Hannah replied. I'm a woman who is deeply troubled. I've not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I've been praying here out of my great great anguish and grief. Eli answered, go in peace and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. She said, may your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went her way and ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. Early the next morning, they arose and worshiped before the Lord, and they went back to their home at Ramah. Elkanah made love to his wife, Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. So in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to his son. She named him Samuel, saying, because I asked the Lord for him. And this is the word of the Lord. Just a little backstory on Hannah, who is the central person 
And again, as we look at this, Hannah in this lesson is not a mother. She's praying to be a mom. Uh, She was not allowed to have children. She wanted that, but the answer at that time from the Lord was no. But if you look at the first few verses, verses 1 through 8 of 1 Samuel, you will see a a situation that is, is difficult, and that is Hannah is married to Elkanah, but Elkanah has another wife. So you have a situation where there is polygamy. And this is an interesting thing because a lot of times people will say, see, it must be all right. It was in the Bible, and it seems like God was allowing it. So is it okay or isn't it okay? And I would describe it this way. I would say that having two wives or being a polygamist was something that was socially culturally acceptable and socially acceptable, but it was still a sin and something that was not acceptable in God's eyes who made one man and one woman and brought them together in marriage. The way that I would describe it today is is living together before you are married. We are in a society where I, I think everyone realizes more and more people are doing that. And it has become culturally and socially acceptable. Uh, as you watch relationships on, on television and things like that, everybody, it seems, does that. But yet, as we look in God's word, he says, no, that is not the way it's meant to be, that the marriage bed is, is meant to be kept pure, that God's plan remains even though people deviate from it. But probably the, the best way as we look at the, the polygamy, and, and this lesson helps us see why it is so wrong. The next verse, 1 Samuel 1 verse 7 says, this went on year after year. And what went on year after year was that these two wives were going at each other. And so you had this situation where Hannah was not able to have children. And again, in their culture, this was a serious sign of having an issue with God. The way that I would describe it today, and and excuse me for, for being crude, is that it would be like buying a piece of land that you intended to farm, only to find out that no uh, crops would grow on it. It would be a huge disappointment. And, and you would look at that piece of land and you'd say it's worthless. In the same way, when, when she was not able to have children, uh, that is the way her, her rival, we'll find out later is how she described her, the other what? How do you describe your husband's other wife? And, and why was this a problem every year? Because every year they would go to the temple and the other wife would say, why are you even bothering going to the temple? It's obvious God doesn't love you because if you did, you would have a child. This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, notice the word, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. So if you want the case on why polygamy doesn't work, there you have it, those rivals. And and just think about it for a moment. I want you to think about your marriage. Some of you have a marriage that that might be a little shaky right now. Some of you might have a marriage that you consider very good. But I want you to think about how adding another woman to your marriage would benefit it. And I'm telling you, it won't. It, it, It doesn't. 
And it took people time to see that. And as, we, as time continued, they did and saw how destructive it was to marriage. And as we talked a little bit, the sermon is not about living together, but I'm, I'm waiting for the day when people who do will realize that's not beneficial to their relationship. And I hope after that, that that will become less culturally acceptable and see that God's plan is the right way. So you have this situation with, with Hannah. And, and, and as she's looking at it, she feels like a failure. None of these things are going well. So we see in the blank, at times, every parent can feel like a failure. She was the ultimate failure as she looked to God. God, I'm such a failure as a parent, I can't even be a parent. That is how, how I feel. And I look at other people and I feel like they think I'm a failure. Are you a failure as a parent? Have you ever left one of your kids at church and thought your spouse brought him home? It was my wife's fault that I thought she said she was going to bring him. Uh, another family uh, left their child at a wayside. Are you kidding me? On a family trip, kid at the wayside, then had to drove 10 miles before they realized and came back. In their defense, they do have nine children. I think Pastor Jeff, see, I hate telling stories about Jeff when he's not here, uh, but I will anyways. <laughs> that, that he's told the story about when they were in Africa, and they, they had the kids with them, and they went into a store, and they left, and one of their kids stayed in the store, and the shop owner locked the store and closed it for lunch. And then they came back and realized, oh my goodness, we left him at the store. They came back and couldn't get in the store because it was locked, and the store owner was gone. So they had to search and find him, and... Or there was a time when Tanya, my wife, took one of our kids and and put him on her shoulders and she walked through a doorway and hit. (laughs) Hold it, that was me. Sorry. Okay, back back to. But there are times when you feel like a failure and and we can joke about these little ones. But what happens when you feel like a, a failure when your kids really screw up. Let's look at it a little more. In 1 Samuel 1, verse 10 to 11. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me, and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will ever be used on his head. And as we look at that, again, look at those words. She was in deep anguish, weeping bitterly, engaging God in prayer. And so as we look at the blank, great moms model humility before God. I preached this sermon last night, and at this point in, in, in the sermon, in the message, is when I said, moms, you need to look at the sin you have in your hearts. And you need to think about the times when you've sinned against your children and against your, your husband and, and, and confess those sins to the Lord. And after the message, I talked to the group that was there, and one of the, the ladies said, don't you get how guilty moms already feel? You don't need to pile on. 
And, and, and as I, I think about this, and as she said this with me, I, I realized how true it was. Because there were times when I was a kid, I went to bed crying. I went to bed crying because I, it was, it was, I wanted to stay up past bedtime. And I wanted candy, and I wanted a trampoline, and I went to bed crying because my mom was so mean. But now that I live with a mom, I realize how often moms go to bed crying. Because they're concerned about their kids and the things that their kids are into and, and, and how they're acting and how they're behaving and how they're going to turn out. And so what was happening in this situation is, is she had to humble herself because I'm telling you, Hannah had tremendous guilt. Mothers, please do me a favor. Do your children a favor. And do yourself a favor. Get rid of the guilt. And the way that you get rid of the guilt is to humble yourself before God and admit and confess the reasons why you feel guilty. Get them out in the open. Guilt comes from hiding them. Guilt comes from holding them. And now, as you think about that, I want you to, to go back and think about this prayer that Hannah is having with God. And we're not told exactly what she says, but I'm willing to believe. If, I've, I've seen these situations where women are weeping and crying out and they've had enough. And I, I bet it went something like this. God, what is going on? My life stinks. This is horrible. How in the world did I get myself in a situation where my husband has another wife and she drives me insane? Her kids are rotten. She is rotten. She's wicked. She is evil. And I have to share my house with her. And I know the situation is not getting better unless she would die. And it makes me feel horrible even to say that out loud. So I'm in the middle of this bad situation anyways. And now I'm praying to you. Just take away this disgrace. Everyone says it's because of my relationship with you that I'm not having a kid. I don't even know what it is, God. Yeah, I get it. I confess that, church. I'm sinful. I understand that. But what's going on? I refuse to believe I'm any worse than her. So what's the deal? Is having children a, a sign that I'm like separated from you? Is it a sign that I, I'm, I would be such a bad mom? That you don't even trust me with kids? God, I don't get it. I'm sick of it and it hurts. Year after year after year, I come to you and I pray for this. And it just seems to get worse. Mom, can you have those types of prayers with God as well? God, I don't get it. I've raised my daughter. This is, oh man, I've been in this conversation with a mom before. When her daughter is picked up for shoplifting when she's 14 years old. Lord, what is going on with her? What, what did I do as a mom? Seriously, it's not like we don't have any money. It, it, or that she needed that candy bar and it's stupid. Is she looking for attention? Am I not giving her the attention she needs? She says I'm always on her case. Am I really that bad? Am I that nagging? Maybe I am just an awful person. I don't know, God. And now I, not only that, but I have to deal with the situation with the police, and then I have to tell the family, and I'm just, oh my goodness, I don't want to have to deal 
with my sisters-in-law and what they're going to say. And it's just going to stink going to the family function, Lord. And this is horrible. Humility before God. If you have guilt on things that you feel like you've done wrong with your children, and let's face it, when you confess you're sinful, you're admitting that you do. It affects your role as a mother. It just does. But don't hide it. When you try to hide it and just let it swirl around is when you get those guilty feelings that paralyze you. Be honest with God. Have it out with him. Yell at him. Cry to him. But have that conversation. But then continue. Verse 12. As she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart. She's keeping on praying. She's just going in there, continuing. And another verse, Romans 12, that describes this as well. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor. Keep it going, serving the Lord. And this is a refrigerator right here. This is a refrigerator passage, verse 12. Be joyful in hope. Patient in affliction and faithful in prayer. Moms make a difference by staying persistent or faithful, however you want to say it, persistent in prayer. They don't give up. One of my favorite songs that Jonathan plays with the band, Your Love Never Fails, Never Gives Up, Doesn't Run Out on Me. I love that song. And, and, and I, as I was thinking about this week, first of all, in terms of mothers, it just makes me think of, of the, the moms in Cleveland uh, who had their kids taken away for 10 years. And I, I don't think any of us knows for sure how we would act in, those, in that situation. But as I go, this is the way my mind thinks, which might be messed up, but I think of the movie Castaway. It's an old movie. Remember that with Tom Hanks? where he's on the island and, and uh, he, he's stuck there for years and years. Well, he gets off the island and he comes back and his girlfriend moved on with her life. She's married. And, and, he, and he comes back and he's just faced with this reality that, that she's moved on. And, and I think about that in, in terms of this and how a, a mother is different. Because moms don't just move on. That's not an option. Because when you become a mom, it's mom for life. And, and so I, I think about this, uh, this, this past week. I was looking, Jody Aris's mom. This is a quote from her. Jody has mental problems. Jody would freak out all the time. I had quite a few of her friends call me and tell me what I needed. I needed to get her some help. One called me in the middle of the night and told me that she needed help. Okay. You're sick of hearing about Jody Arias, and that's fine. But the truth is, what do you do if you're her mom? Okay, let's start with the guilt. The guilt of the fact that, that she's basically saying right here is, yeah, I know she had issues, and, and as a mom, I should have helped her. And obviously, I didn't get her the help that she needed, but I never dreamed in, in my worst nightmares that she would go and kill a guy. Okay, again, but now that's taken care of. What do you think of her as a mother? Here you go. Here you go. Mother's fine. Anyone who's here, judgment, judgment, judgment. 
And maybe it's correct. I don't know that as you look at her mothering. But the question is, where does she go from here? And where do you go with your kids? What's the worst thing that your kids have done? You can become a parent being humble or parenting will humble you. It just will. It, it just does. When you, when you look at these, your own kids, we have five kids and the question I ask on a regular basis is, how did they all, I'm the same parent to all five kids, how did they turn out so different? How, did I screw up on one and not the other or not as bad on one? Really? Was it the order in which they were born? What is it? But again, the point is no matter what they do, you don't give up on them. And what makes it easy for us, maybe easier, not easy, easier for us, is that is the way that God deals with you. In baptism, we were here today that we came with water and the word were adopted into God's family. Jeremy, you know what that means? God's not giving up on you, man. Jacob? No matter what happens, God is there. There is nothing that you can do that will make God not love you anymore. That's what it means to be part of the family. And so as we look at this type of relationship, this is what begins to energize us. Because we can go to the Lord. We don't need to have that guilt because we can take our sins to the Lord and confess them. Lord, I have screwed up big time. But I know that you love me in spite of it. And moms do the same thing as they love their children unconditionally, reflecting the love that Christ has shown to them. We continue. Uh, Eli answered, go in peace. And may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. She said, may your servant find favor in your eyes. So in essence, what she was saying, Hannah was saying, is when he said, go in peace, the Lord will hear your prayer. What Hannah is saying is, I believe that what you're saying to me is true. Then she went away and ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. Stop right there for a second. Hannah was praying to have children. Did she have children at this point? No. Was she pregnant at this point? No. But yet she went away in peace because she knew that the Lord had heard her prayer and would answer her prayer in whatever way gave him glory. Then early the next morning, they arose and they worshipped. At her and Elkanah, they took time to worship. Having gotten this guilt out of the way, having received forgiveness from God, then going to his house and, and, and worshiping him and giving him praise. Then they went back home, back to their home at Ramah. And so in the blanks, we can see that Hannah, she, mom, whoever, takes comfort in the promises of God. And I think they're all up here now at once. She's, she takes comfort in the promises of God. She is faithful in worship. She remembers that even though she is a mother, she is also a child. But we need to look at these a little bit individually. First of all, she takes comfort in the promises of God. 
This is, an, this is interesting. This is a really interesting lesson. And this is where it comes together because I'm, I'm assuming... Uh, last night we had the... On Saturday night, we had the great cross-section of people for worship because there was a, another... There was a couple at church who did not have children, who cannot have children... And, and they shared with me, we hate going to church on Mother's Day because it hurts. It's like it picks at that scab because, you know, even though we, we look at that, how they treated Hannah and we uh, think that was a barbaric society that they would think that badly about a woman just because she wasn't able to have a child. The truth remains that for people who would like to have children and the Lord doesn't bless them with children, it's painful. And it hurts. And, and, and that cycle can, can continue when it goes in your head of, Lord, why are you saying no? And, and I'm trying to figure this out. And, and there are nights when, when you might feel like a failure and you're weeping bitterly and going back to the Lord and saying, Lord, why are you doing this? And so this is also when it, it takes effort on our part to go to those promises of God. And understand that just because he doesn't give us what we want, when we want it, even if it's a good gift, that it doesn't mean he doesn't love us. Okay, I get why my mom didn't give me candy. And I kind of understand the, the, the bedtime deal. But I can never understand why she won't get me a trampoline. What's the deal? Okay, that's making light of it. But the truth remains is as we look at what God does give us in our lives, that that this side of heaven, we might not come to an understanding of why he's not giving it to us. But his promises in Jesus Christ remain just as faithful. His promises to bless us and give us everything we need remain true and sure. And so all of us, after we have it out with God, know that we can leave with forgiveness and the promise that he will give us what we need on our path to heaven. Next one, uh, she is faithful in worship. Moms, you're here today, so you're keeping that one, which is great. And and we we know this, that uh, the three highest attendances of church of the year are, are Christmas, Easter, and Mother's Day. And so some of you might be here just because mom asked you to come. And so uh, like my mom on Mother's Day, all she wanted was to have the family together, that you're here honoring mom's wishes by coming on Mother's Day. And if that's the only reason you're coming, I'll take it. Start. And, and, and mom will take it as well because she realizes you need this close relationship with Christ. And then finally, mom... Remember that even though you're a mother, you are also, she is also a child. I want you to take time to consider that because when you remember you're a child, just like you want your children to come to you so that you can help them uh, mature or whatever it is to grow up, that in the same way that sometimes moms, what what you tend to do is you carry burdens from your children that need to be taken to God. You become the middleman and you hold on to it instead of laying it at the foot of the cross. 
Which is how we go back then to taking it to the Lord in prayer and confessing our sin and trusting him. And, and that cycle continues, that, that conversation we have with God going back and forth. And so we have our next steps at crosswalk, our key verse. And this is the key verse. Eli answered, and this is God's promise to lay hold of today for all of us. Go in peace. And may the God of Israel grant what you have asked him. Uh, understand that we go, go to the Lord and he does answer our prayers. And then our key response, Christian moms make a difference in the lives of their children. And you do, moms, you do make a difference. They talk to God about their children. And that's not a misprint. It's not they talk to their children about God, but they talk to God about their children and our models of prayer, worship, and faith. Let's pray. Dear Lord God, we thank you for the gift of Christian mothers. And and as we, uh, each of us individually, look at our own lives, we can see the way that our mothers have helped to form us in, in one way or another. Now, Lord, as we go, whether we are a mother or a father or a child or whoever we are or, or someone who, who really would want the gift of a child, help us, Lord, to go from this place in peace. Help us to see the promises that we have in Jesus Christ and, and to be assured that through him we are your children and that you give us good gifts as our father. Please be with us and, and bless the mothers on this day and, and, and may they be together in their families and, and have their children with them and have a great day. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So before we close, if you want more information about Crosswalk or to listen to other messages, just go online to crosswalkphoenix.com or come and see us. Services are held at 9 and 11 a.m. at Cesar Chavez High School at 41st Avenue and Baseline. Visit our website for directions. And now, back to some closing thoughts from Pastor Dan. Sometimes after I leave the stage, I have time to reflect on everything that happened while I was out here. And every once in a while, I think of something I forgot. And then I think if I forgot it, do I have an opportunity to rectify it? And today, I didn't remember, and I do have an opportunity. Jeremy and Jacob, you have had this opportunity to come here. The Lord says you're part of his family through, through baptism. But what I forgot to do was to let you know also that you are a member of a family at Crosswalk, which means as you are here at, at Crosswalk, you are not alone, but we are here for you. And, and what I need to do is, members of Crosswalk, uh, are you willing to do what it takes for, for Jeremy and Jacob to give them opportunities to grow, uh, to give them uh, opportunities to, to grow in God's word, to be a family to them and encourage them in, in good times and bad times, to do whatever is necessary so that you can help keep them remain as children of God and, until the Lord finally takes them to heaven? If you are willing to do that, Please answer yes, and may God give us strength. You're in. You are part of the family. And again, congratulations. And now go in peace and live in harmony with one another and serve the Lord with gladness. 
And the Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. Lord, look on you with favor and give you peace. Amen. Have a great day. Happy Mother's Day.